preaching in Jesus' name this morning. Blessing to be here. Uh, ministers, one of the things I struggle with is what I'm supposed to preach about. And uh, because of who we are and our personalities and how we're cut out and uh, we tend to preach certain ways. You know, Warren preaches, he has his style of preaching and Dwight has his. And we're starting to learn Delvin's and, uh, and of course, you know my style of preaching and, and uh, I tend to get up here and I introduce a subject and I kind of say, well, this, this is what the Bible says, and this is what we should do, so this is how we should change, and, uh, you know, encourage you all to, you know, do what this, the Bible says and all this stuff, and, and it's kind of, sometimes can maybe get a little harsh or something, I don't know, but uh, anyhow, so this morning we're just kind of, we're just kind of laid back a little bit here, and uh, I'm, I'm not going to tell you what to do this morning, so... Um, how many people here know the song um, Thank You Lord for Your Blessings on Me? Oh, you think we can make a fly? First verse As the world looks upon me as I struggle along They say I have nothing but they are so wrong In my heart I'm rejoicing Though the world may not see, thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. Is that correct? Something like that. Let's try that. As the world looks upon me, as I struggle along, they say I have nothing, but they are so wrong. In my heart I'm rejoicing, oh how they could see. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. There's a roof up above me. I've a good place to sleep. There's food on my table and shoes on my feet. You gave me fine family. Thank you, Lord, for your blessings on me. I like the song. I'm not sure about struggling along, but yeah, we all do that every once in a while. It's, yeah. Anyhow, this morning, I would like for us to focus not necessarily on the future, not necessarily how we're living, but what God is doing for us. The title of the sermon is The Blessings of Serving Christ. Sometimes we focus maybe too much on, and it's appropriate, but maybe too much on what it takes, the sacrifices of serving Christ. And there are sacrifices. But we can become so obsessed with that that uh, we can lose our joy. 
Um, so I'm going to ask you a question this morning. What would you consider to be the greatest blessing of serving Christ in, in your life? See, I had a problem figuring out where to start here. I, I really did. Where, if you were the preacher, what would you put as point number one? The number one blessing of serving Christ. Pardon? Okay, the promise of eternity in heaven with God. Peace? My mind went all over the place because I, I think of one thing and I'm thinking, well, there's something behind that. And I think of that and I think, well, there's something behind that. And I think of that and I say, well, there's something behind that. And finally it's like, well, it's the biggest blessing that God created the world and all the man, mankind in it. I, I, I don't know. But I put that one last. So there's no order here. I, I, you would have order that order in your experience. I, I don't know. But I, I looked at, I think I have nine of them here. I don't know if I get through them all or not. But the, the first one that came to my mind was the blessing of new life in Christ and, bond, and freedom from bondage. New life in Christ and freedom from bondage. Now we look at our, in this whole sermon, you, you can look at our culture and the unsaved around us and brings into better focus the blessings that we do have as Christians. And I'm not necessarily going to go there because uh, I may wrap it up with some comparisons, but I'm not necessarily going to go there because I want this to be a positive sermon. I'm not here to tell you what all is wrong with the world because then that's too much close to my character type of preaching. So we're going to try to avoid that this morning. And we're going to stay, try to stay positive and we're trying to just say and just like revel in what God is doing for us. And, and First Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, just a very simple verse, but it's very profound. It says, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a little bit better, a new creature. A new creature, old things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. Not just reformed, not just adjusted, all things are become new. That is that miracle, that transformation is beyond our ability to duplicate, beyond our ability to even comprehend. New life in Christ. All things are changed. I tend to forget how it felt 
to be continually carrying the bondage of sin. Remember that? Remember that? The blessing of new life in Christ. Number two. The blessing of having the privilege to receive the Holy Spirit power to overcome temptation. The blessing to have some kind of a resource. And that resource is given by God, the Holy Spirit, to empower me to quit doing the things that I would just keep doing over and over and over and over if I did not have that power, if I did not have that assistance. Just being the same old wagon rut day after day, year after year, century after, or, uh, no, 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 century. Uh, what's ten years? Uh, huh? Decade after decade. There you go. Thank you. Decade after decade. Holy Spirit power. It's, it's, that blessing is incredible. That blessing is something that I, I confess that I take for granted. That I have that to go to as a Christian. That I realize I'm done if I don't have that. And so I realize that, I recognize that, and I say, I go to God and I say, I, I got this temptation, and I'm not going to make it unless you help me out. And God steps up to the plate. First Corinthians ten thirteen says, There hath no temptation taking you, but such that is common to man, but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So not only can I have, can I appreciate the ability to overcome that temptation, but I also come to appreciate the fact that that temptation is control. Okay, so God looks down on Dennis and he says, yeah, I want to toughen him up a little bit. He does that. You know, I want him to exercise his faith, so I allow this to come into his life, but I, that's it. Because I know that if I go over there, he's not going to make it. All right? So, so God says, book of Job, right? Job says, ah, look at Job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, you know, he's just stubborn you because you're just there. God says, okay, you can do this. But you can't do that. So I don't know. It's a conversation going on in heaven today. It's like, uh, God says, uh, well, that Cleon guy, yeah, he, he, yeah, it's like, God says, okay, you can do this, but you can't do that. Or Belita, you can do this, but you can't do that. And so, in our walk with God, God knows how mature we are. Doesn't excuse weakness, but we're all growing. We, we should be as Christians. God knows where we're at, and he says, okay, 
That's it. That, that, that's incredible. That, that, that thought. That my temptations are not spinning out of control. They just don't come at me at random. I have a God that has blessed me with a promise that, yeah, I'll let them come, but, yeah, I won't let them over, overtake you. And, yeah, I will always give you the power to overcome that. that, that that's... Number three. The blessing of being able to invest their lives into something that gives meaning and direction in life. Be, being a Christian is, can be the most freeing thing. Is, actually, I shouldn't, yeah, I shouldn't qualify. Is the most freeing thing that a person can do in their life. The world wants us to believe that it isn't that way, but that's a lie. See, that lie was in back in the garden. Satan said, you'll, you'll be happier if you eat this fruit. You know, life will be better, but a big fat lie. Be able to have a life that has direction, that I know what I want, I know where I'm going, I know that what I'm doing is worthwhile. I know that it's all going to come out right in the end. I'm not going to waste. I'm not going to be wasting my time doing something that 50 years from now or 30 years from now is absolutely, totally, and completely irrelevant. That didn't make no difference. Ephesians 2, if you want to turn there, I'm going to read 10 verses in Ephesians 2 on this one. Investing our lives into something that gives meaning and direction. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. And you hath he quickened, made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sin, wherein the times past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation or lifestyle in times past, in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, he looked down and he said, these poor people need direction. They need salvation. They need direction. They need something to pour their life into that makes life worth living. God who is in rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are ye saved. Ye are saved. And hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us, through Jesus Christ. For by grace ye are saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, 
which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. So God has a plan. He has redeemed us. He has quickened us so that we can have meaning in life. We can have direction in life. And he has that figured out a long time ago. Before ordained that you and I can pour our entire lives into knowing that it's all going to be worthwhile. You ever meet people that they uh, they want to do something in life but they can't quite figure it out. So they go to college and they study this and they and, and then they say, well, nah, I don't want to be that. you know." And so then they go to college and they study this. And then they say, ah, I, don't like, I don't want to do that. And then they go to college and they study this. And they're like 30 years old or something and they're still going to college. You ever, you ever see something like that? They just can't figure out where they're going to go next. I don't know why this is. But I found it very interesting when I was working in trades in Ohio that I worked with more college students that studied anything but what they were doing. Seriously. I mean, college degree in teaching and they're rolling paint. And they roll paint year after year after year after year after college degree in, in teaching. And then they want to have a college degree in something else. And yeah, that one's doing plumbing. And he's doing plumbing. You don't have to go to college to get plumbing. I mean, I didn't say anything wrong going to college. I'm just simply saying that they don't know what they, they don't know what they want. God's people, because we are saved, because we are serving God, we have direction. We, have, we know what we, where we want to go. And you, you don't have to keep wavering all back and forth all the time. That, that's a tremendous blessing. Number four, the blessing of hope. Philippians 1, and you can turn to this. I've got six verses here. Philippians 1, 1. Paul and Timotheus, the servants of Jesus Christ, to all the saints in Christ Jesus, which are at Prairie, with the bishops and the deacon and the preachers and all, all the congregation, grace be unto you, that's what he's saying here. All right. Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all making request with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now, verse 6, get this, being confident of this very thing, that, we, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, there's hope. There's hope. 
Did you ever meet somebody that was hopeless? I found it interesting. I, get, I googled hopeless. And I clicked on images. You, you know what it's at? You know what it shows? I could show you here, but you, you wouldn't be able to see because I'd be down too low. People laying out on the street. People sitting against the wall, their head between their knees like this. Uh, homeless people. Uh, drug addicts. Uh, all, all that, that kind of stuff. Hopeless. They tried everything. Everything. But they knew how to find meaning in life, fulfillment in life, and it all collapsed. And it's all over. Which is the beginning of suicide. Suicidal thoughts. The blessing of hope. Being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. Folks, there's hope. You got started. God said, I'll take you all the way to the end. There's going to be bumps in the road. There's going to be challenges in the road. Nobody said it's going to be easy. But it will be worth it. Can you imagine what it would be like just be hopeless? Hopeless. Number five, the blessing of family and extended family. Church family. People with common interests and goals. What would it be like if you were not a Christian and you moved into this community? Where would you start to get friends? YMCA? Local bar? No, not, not, not church is not an option here. Now, I'm not church is not an option. Where would you go? Where would you go to get companionship? Where would you go to find a friend? Hi, B. I'm, I'm serious. Where would you go? If you found your friend at the YMCA or the bar or Hi, B, you think. You have a whole lot in common, except low prices and alcohol, and you know. But we moved in this community, and and we came here first Sunday. Yeah, we felt like somebody from a shoe factory, a little bit like a heel or whatever, you know. And, and but you know, it's like church is over, and and uh, Lynn and Rachel sitting there behind. I'll never forget that morning, and and. You know, we'll start chatting and stuff, and Rachel says, oh, you know, so you have Rochelle, we have Rochelle, and, and you know, and this, you know, and, and yeah, yeah, right. I didn't know all these people. I, I eat a little bit, you know. But it didn't hurt to get the relationship off the ground. 
You know why? Because we have common interests. That's why. What would we like if somebody says, well, you just can't go to church anymore? Start with Ephesians 3. And I was thinking about this, and I, it's like, well, I'll read first, then we'll go there. For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family, get that, whole family, in where? Heaven. Oh, we've got extended family in heaven too, right? In heaven and earth is name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. That ye being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with one person, all the saints, what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant Lay above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church, by Christ Jesus, with, throughout all ages, world without end, amen. Ah, what a blessing. He says, I put you all together, and I did that so that you can have all these fantastic things that's described here. Knowing the love of Christ, filled with the fullness of God. Doing exceedingly abundantly, everything well, more than we can even imagine, it says. Because there's power in us, and we have this privilege to have family that's not necessarily physical family. But can be can be closer than physical family. And I was reading this, and so it's like, the family in heaven and earth is named. It's like, what's that mean? I want the commentary. And the commentator says, well, uh, you don't get to choose your brothers and sisters. Anybody here choose brothers and sisters? Yeah, whatever babies mom and dad had, well, that's what you got. I mean, that's, that's part of the introduction thing, you know. It's like, so we watch them grow up, and they have different characteristics, and and one's a leader, and, and one's a follower, and one's a scrapper, and one's a whatever, and they have all these personalities, and they all come into home, and, and, you know, they have to kind of figure it out. Right? So, I don't know, in the birth order, I, I, but I have observed that the first one tends to be a leader, and the second one tends to be a follower, and of course, maybe they don't even have a chance. Thurman might be a scrapper because she has to take care, he or she has to take care of the first two. I don't know, but anyhow, yeah, it's like there are all these things and has something to do with environment probably and, and personality and character and all this stuff. And, and, and God's like, here, take them. And so we take them and we praise the Lord for them. So, you know what? I didn't get to choose who's in this pews this morning. I didn't go down, going to Pennsylvania, it's like, you must come to prayer. I had somebody tell me that one time, Lord wants you in Carbon Hill, Ohio. I said, well, really? 
I didn't realize that. That's news to me. Well, I, I didn't think so. But anyhow, um, but I didn't get to choose all you, and you didn't get to choose me, right? But God throws us all together, and He says, "There, you got a blessing on your hand. Work it out." Right? And so if we're immature, we scrap it out. Well, that's what happened at our house. Now, I'm not necessarily referring to my children either. I'm talking about at our house. You know, when I was growing up, you know, it's like... So... And, 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 and this, this writer used the term that I found very interesting. He said, by the subduing grace of God, we get, learned, get, get, get along. By the subduing grace of God. I said, yeah, right, I, I like that. By the subduing grace of God. Uh, we got in this little discussion about when the smaller siblings became accepted by the older sibling in our house. Well, my younger brother Dave became my friend when my older brother got married. It was like before him, it was just Arvin and I, and he he just like a tag along. He's like, just just get away, you're a nuisance, you know. Just quit it. Just go do your thing. I mean, it's like we don't need you hanging around. Okay, so then Arvin got married, and then Dave and I became friends. And he said, you remember us? Yeah, I mean, we used to. I used to come in your bedroom. You lay on the bed, I lay on the floor. We talked for hours and hours and hours. My brother-in-law said, in their house, invariably, every time one of the children went to Bible school, when they got home, they were accepted by the older ones. That was initiation right in their home. I never thought about that. It's like, when they go to Bible school, when they came home, they were accepted. That, that, then you were a, a, a mature person because you went to Bible school. For whatever reason, I don't know. Before that, you were just kind of a nuisance, younger, just get away and... Don't bother me. But go to Bible school, then you're cool. Then you got it. All right. So then we, we, we learn to get along, tolerate each other. Then after a while, as we mature, by the subduing grace of God, then we start appreciating each other. Oh, then we, then we work, learn to work together. And then, by the subduing grace of God, then we learn to appreciate each other. So do I go to a sib reunion and scrap with my older brothers, like her younger brothers? Tell my older brother, just get away. You know, I don't need you here. You know, I'm just whatever. You know. Well, that was my problem more than his problem. Which was proven by the fact that when my older brother got married, I became friends with him. I can't blame him for my older brother getting married. Get it? That was my problem, not his. And so when my older brother got married, I matured enough to accept my younger brother as, first of all, we worked together and we became friends. And appreciate each other. So we're going to have this Martin bash next week. So we won't, hear be next, we won't be here next Sunday. So we're having this bash at the inn and charm. Uh, all getting together there, and so Sandra, she's been trying to put the program together. Who had devotion? Who, who does this? What we're going to do? What we're going to see? How all this stuff? And, and and so she says to Rochelle, she says, 
So uh, once I schedule some family time, you know, just like sharing and whatever. And Rochelle says, I don't know if you even want to go there. Because every time we have sharing time, all I do is just bawl my eyes out. Well, quite frankly, 10 years ago, she wouldn't be bawling her eyes out. Or 15 years ago, bawling her eyes about nothing. All right? By the subduing grace of God and maturity, we got to, and I told Saunders said to me, he's like, well, what do I do? I said, well, just schedule it in. Because every time we get together, I ball my eyes out, too. So what's the big deal? Just let's ball our eyes out. I mean, you know, it's like, it's an expression of appreciation. Right? I mean, I'd rather that than fist fighting or going back to where we were 20 years ago. 30 years ago, and I'm glad Mary Jo is not here. <laughs> I have this recording of the girls, and they're downstairs playing dolls, and Mary Jo says, Oh, Rolanda, I don't know why. No, Rolanda says, Oh, Mary Jo, she just wants more and more and more and more and more and more and more. And anyhow, I, I won't go into the rest of all she said, but anyhow. You know, they're having this big scrap of who gets the doll babies and you know, whatever, and it's like. You know, as, as we mature, I, the things that used to irritate us, you know, we, we just sit around and laugh. It's just hilarious. It's hilarious. And, and sometimes, as families, we can just be about as happy as we intend to be. I mean, if you want to take it, if you want to take it as a slap in the face, you can take a slap in the face. If, you, if it irritates you, you can just stew on it and everything else. But if you just make a joke out of it, it's hilarious. Now, my wife can close her ears here for a couple of minutes, but... Uh, we do this thing on the way to church, okay? We pull out of the driveway and we... And we turn right onto Hand Cream Street. Okay, she has this hand cream thing in, in the door, and it's like the widow's barrel. It, it, it never gets empty, but it's almost empty, you know? And so she slaps this thing on her hand like this. And I don't know why it ever gets empty, but there's always a little bit in there. And she just slaps it on her hand and she does this hand cream thing. Till we get to the intersection. Then we turn north, and then she looks at me, and she says, there's a hair on the end of your nose or coming out of your ear or whatever. And so then we get on Inspection Boulevard, and you missed a patch down here. So I always try, if I'm in a hurry, I always try to make sure that this half is good. All right. so, so then then, then we hit that first curve, and we get into Nail Clipper Street, or uh, Boulevard or whatever avenue, and she gets her nail clippers out and she clips her nails. It was irritating me. Used to, it's like I don't like nail clipper sounds. It's like snap, 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 snap. So then we come up here and we turn left on Blooming Prairie Speedway. All right, so we turn to the left, and she says, if you don't go any more than 40 miles an hour, we're going to get there late. And so I go, speed up. And, say, and, and, you know, it's like, so 
her nail clippers irritate me and her my speed irritates her. It's a, and we just have this joke and it's like it's hilarious. You know, it's like and it's just we name these roads whatever and it's just it's just hilarious. You know, you can just be as funny or as irritated as you choose to be. Now, I think I got it all figured out. Like all this sequence. And so this morning I'm on the way, I say, okay, are we gonna do this routine again? She gets in the car and blows me completely away. Sits there as pris and prim, looking straight ahead the whole way. And I kept the speed up to 55 on Blooming Prairie Speedway, and we got to church. I'm just telling you, you know what? You can be about as happy a lot of time as you choose to be. The subduing grace of God. And we just look at each other and laugh. I mean, it's just... And it can be that way in the family. Something irritates you, you can just be irritated, or you can just sit and back and just laugh. Because in reality, it don't make any difference. And we all have our habits, we have all this, you know, whatever. See, I never thought I was going to be an old man dawdling around 40 miles an hour on... Blooming Prairie Speedway. I mean, I pass him out, and the old guy's in there, you know, he's like this, and he's gray, and his wife's knitting away, and whatever, and it's like, come on. Just go. <laughs> but here I am. Number six. Closely related. The blessing of personal peace as a result of just letting it go. We're in good store. It is black there. It says sometimes you have to take a deep breath and just let it slide. I think that's good advice. Sometimes you just take have to take a deep breath and just let it slide. Personal peace by the result of letting it go. God allows us, helps us, enables us for forgiveness. To just take a deep breath, let the bitterness go. The hurt. Just take a deep breath, let it go. God, I'm putting it in your hand. I can't carry it. The file cabinet on my back's getting too big. I got just let it go. As Christians, you've met people. They can't let it go. The blessing of just letting go and let God. Colossians 3, verse 12 to 17. Put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... And he, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. 
And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which ye are also called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing in grace, with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. You know what? If you hang on to the... Oh, now I hear I'm going into this negative thing. All right? But if we can just leave go, what's the result? Is it... Is it without? Uh, is it? Man, I can't get the word. Okay, we'll just back up. Doesn't it stand to reason that the song part in this passage of Scripture follows the forgiving part? Right? You ever somebody's full of bitterness and they're just singing away, just singing the way, just praising the Lord, and the next time you say, oh, no, no. You let go. Then you can sing. Number seven, the blessing of faith and a higher power that directs and controls the big and small things in my life. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not into thine understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Isaiah 48:17 Thus saith the Lord thy redeemer the holy one of Israel I am the Lord thy God which teacheth thee to profit which leadeth thee in the way that thou shouldest go And thine ears shall hear a word behind thee saying This is the way walk ye in it when ye turn to the right hand and when ye turn to the left Living in faith that there's a higher power controls everything in my life. Now one thing I, I enjoyed and I appreciated when Sister Yolanda was in Guatemala, we get these emails every once in a while, and they would be talking about the things that gave out and what they did to make it work. You know, if they didn't have a generator, then they had pictures of all these stuff. They rigmarole up and taped and patched together and wired together and to do this or to do that. And, and, you know, they had a choice when the generator went out. Complain, whine. You and I have a choice when stuff gives out. It don't work. Somehow or the other, I don't like car trouble. I, I despise car trouble because, first of all, it's inconvenient. Second of all, it's expensive. But something that at least I've brought myself to appreciate is if the transmission goes out or the brakes goes out or, or water pump goes out in the spring, I always say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am so glad the water pump went out. I am so glad this went out because you know what's going to happen if it didn't go out in the spring? It's going to go out in the summer vacation. Right? So thank the Lord, whatever went out, that it went out before we left from vacation, not halfway through the vacation, ends up, we're stuck in a motel room 
with how many children, and everybody's climbing the walls, and Dad's upset because uh, how much is it going to cost, all right? So I can get it over with in the spring. We can get the car fixed. I can pay the bill. I'm over it, and I can enjoy the vacation. God says, if you let me, I'll control your life, and I'll have this little voice. It tells you what to do. I was reading in a woodworking magazine, and I, I, I'm not sure I used this illustration before or not. It's time to quit here, but anyhow. Uh, uh, it, it said that people that get cut in saws rarely are surprised. With table saws, rarely are, are surprised. Maybe 10 to 15% of people that get cut in a saw can honestly say, I was not that that I, I I that came completely unawares. Eighty-five percent of the time, the little man on your shoulder says, "Don't do that. That's dangerous. You need a push stick." And you ignore the little man on your shoulder, and and you know when you're done cutting, you already know why. You cut your finger off. It's because you didn't pay attention to the little man on the shoulder. Only 15% are taken totally by surprise. God says, I'm going to have this whispered in your ear. Dennis, that's dangerous. Don't do it. Do you ever, appreciate, do you ever think about the blessing of that? You're, you're getting close. You better do it a different way because you're going to get it. If you don't watch it, you're going to get cut. You're going to get hurt. And if we listen to that, God says, there's going to be a voice behind you that says, do it this way. You'd be better off. Blessing of a clear conscience. There is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. Romans 8.1 Clear conscience? Isn't that something? To go to bed and not worry about somebody is going to sneak in the back door and get even because of what you did or what you didn't do, or something you did wrong, and you know you did wrong. Okay. Just being able to get up and look at the man in the mirror, or the woman in the mirror in the morning. You can't live with a man in the mirror. You can't live with a woman in the mirror. But God makes us. We can have a clear conscience. We can look at Him. We can look at the man in the mirror, lady in the mirror. That is a tremendous blessing. So, instead of inner turmoil and depression, we have a clear conscience. Instead of meaninglessness in life, we have the ability to invest our life for Jesus Christ. Instead of hopelessness, we have the power of the Spirit to overcome temptation. Instead of bondage, we have the freedom from sin. 
Instead of hopelessness, we have hope in Jesus Christ. Instead of loneliness, we have God's family. Instead of stressfulness, we're able to let it go and put it in God's hands. 